Friday, and welcome to Minute 115 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again to finish off the week is Eric Deutsch, co-host of the Flash Gordon Minute and Escape from New York Minute. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you, thank you. Um, Glad to be at the end of my escape here. What? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) You you, you want to stop? (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I feel like I, I, we've got fresh air, and, and I feel like things are looking good. We're going to get out and get to the woods, and um, and we're all going to be free. If only Cavendish would have done his surveying much better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's interesting that I, I almost can forgive them coming 20 feet short because they're building this tunnel underground, and, and there was certainly a chance – that uh, it could come up short, although it almost would be better to make it too long to too short. But it, to me, what's more unforgivable is that you alluded to this at the end of yesterday's minute, that there was no accounting for, there was no plan for if this did happen. And it seems like that's a really major oversight on X's part and the team's part to not say, like, just in case, let's have a contingency plan. What if the hole is not in the woods? What do we do? Yeah, that's true. But, but that's partially because they relied too much on Cavendish. I mean, we, we, we had Cavendish you know, doing doing a little bit of his uh, surveying a few weeks ago. He, he looks like he, he actually knows what he's doing, but apparently he doesn't, <laughs> which we all find out, unfortunately, for, for, for the escape. <laughs> I, I think things would have, would have worked a little bit differently had, had they actually gotten, gotten their measurements right. Yeah. What can I tell you? Minute 115 begins with Mac looking completely baffled and goes all the way till Henley says, he, he starts saying, send down 30. And we don't know what he's saying. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to deal with that next week. <laughs> so we, we ended yesterday's minute with Hiltz being a little surprised by popping his head out of the hole and noticing that they're uh, 20 feet short of the woods. Yesterday, Eric brought a few great examples of movies where we've, where both the characters and the audience were shocked that certain things had happened. So I did a little bit of research to, to think of a, a few other movies that, that we could use for that. So one of the ones I thought it was uh, Die Hard, where, you know, McLean gives Gruber the gun. We all know that Gruber's a bad guy. You know, he pull, he picks up the gun and points it at, uh, at, at McLean, and we don't know that it doesn't have any bullets in it. So I, I, I think that would be a good example of that, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, you're, you're like, what, what are you doing, McLean? Why are you handing him that gun? No, 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 no. Exactly. I, I was trying to think of something from Star Wars. Can you think of something from Star Wars, from any of the Star Wars movies that would be that way? Yeah, I did have one that uh, didn't make my major list that I included yesterday. Uh, but in Empire Strikes Back, uh, when the door opens on Bespin and uh, Darth Vader stands up there at the at the dinner table. and Ooh, that's a great uh, one. Our our heroes are shocked, and we as viewers are also shocked. Yeah, that that that's a great one, actually. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll move along. I'm sure that that uh, as you know, I'm sure I'm sure that my email box is filled right now with 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 everyone's suggestions from yesterday. So you know, if you got more, feel free to send them also. But uh, you know, we we will respond. <laughs> uh, so basically, Hiltz mentioned to to Roger and Mac that they're 20 feet short, and he gives a a visual visual description. Of, of the distance between them and, you know, between where the hole was and where the guards are. And I love Max's, Max's reaction here. He goes, how could that happen? You know, we, we all know the answer to that. Cavendish is an idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, 
you chose the wrong guy to be the surveyor. <laughs> That's how it happened. You'd think that there'd be some sort of backup for, for them to, you know, make sure that they're getting their calculations right. I'm sure anyone who, who, who's listening to this who's, who's maybe an engineer or someone who does things that, that, that rely very heavily on measurements, you know, you, you're, you're going to check and double-check your numbers all the time. So, and, and the irony of it, this is, is that in, in the, the real escape, this happened. So, you know, <laughs> whoever was the surveyor of the real escape also caused the same issues. You know, this isn't just something that, that uh, is, is Hollywood fiction. You know, they wanted to give us uh, more tension in the story. Yeah, or even is... like I, I said – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I even like I said a few minutes ago, I mean, if, if they're not building a tunnel for the subway where it has to be – the tunnel has to end at this specific inch because that's where the station is. They're building a tunnel to escape. So it would be better if you're – to just add an extra 20, 30 feet on – just because anyway, uh, you know, like just, uh, okay, I think we're no, in the woods, but that's time, let's be sure. that's time consuming. True, true. You know, that it, it, whether it takes them, you know, they, they also, they wanted to go out when it's the dark of the, uh, dark of the moon. You know, there, there, there are other, uh, considerations for, for when they're choosing for this escape to be. So, you know, based on their calculations, they had, they'd already found the right spot. So why continue another 20 feet, you know, 20 feet, could take them, I don't know how long it takes them to dig, but, but let's say it would take them another uh, four to seven days. You know, that, that, that's essential if, if, you're, if the whole idea is you want to make sure that you have uh, enough darkness outside to be able to get your escape out. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, I, I checked when uh, Sunset and Sunrise was in August of 1944, and, you know, Sunset, I don't remember the exact times right now, but Sunset was close to 9 p.m., and, you know, sunrise was, about, I think, 4.30 in the morning. So you basically have seven hours of, of seven, seven and a half hours of, of darkness. So you're going to want to use every one of those minutes as preciously as possible in order to get as many of these two. I mean, they, they plan on getting 250 guys out. That's a lot to get out in seven and a half hours. You know, I've, I, 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 even, even if you do the math, you know, if you say that there's, you know, seven and a half uh, hours at that point, so we got, you know, how many minutes is that? 450. Right. So it's 450, and then if you divide that by 250, so basically you're saying that it's about two a minute. Yeah. Or two or minutes, two minutes per, per person, person actually. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's even less. It's 1.8 minutes per person. Mm. You know, the, the ones that are going out of groups, I, I guess that would help, but that's not very much time at all to try to get to, to get people out. And all of these little things that are happening along the way are, you know, causing that time to, you know, to be shorter and shorter, meaning you have to get everyone out even quicker. I, I wonder at what point they, they, they're supposed to figure out that they're not going to get all 250 out, you know. Hmm. I mean, in, in the, the real escape took place in March, so they had a much longer nighttime. Which, which makes me question why they, they sort of changed it to August in the movie. I mean, they, they never really mentioned in the movie when, when sunset is or sunrise. You know, if, if you're doing it in, in, in late winter, early spring, because there, there was even snow on the ground when they had the real escape, which, which was one of the reasons why a lot of them got caught. You know, when you have you know, people making footprints, it shouldn't be too difficult to follow them. You can even get Elmer Fudd to go uh, follow them, and he'll catch them. <laughs> yeah, that's problematic. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm not hunting rabbits. I'm hunting prisoners of war. <laughs> <laughs>
Right. So Mac makes the comment of how did this happen? And Roger snaps back at him and basically says, what the hell is the difference? What the hell difference does it make? It's happened. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I mean, it's, you know, first of all, I, d- I think it lends a little more credence to my theory from the earlier minute that McDonald is uh, not 100 percent con or the pressure because he's he's definitely panicking a bit here. And yeah, Bartlett just it, 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 he doesn't ha- just like uh, earlier in this week. When he had a couple of seconds, um, when Danny was getting out of the tunnel, he's like, all right, fine, just go. It's just, this, there's no time for this. It happened. Let's deal with it. We can't sit around and waste time wondering about why it happened. We've got to take care of it. We've got to take care of right. it now. Right. And as they're doing this, Hilt like, jumps up and, and climbs back up the, the, the ladder to, to the top of the, the hole. And what, what I like about this is, is that we see Roger speaking in a way that, okay, this is the situation, we have to deal with it. But we see that Hiltz is acting on it. You know, Hiltz, hmm. which says a lot about Hiltz. Like, Mac is frustrated that this happened. Uh, obviously, they're all frustrated, but Mac is showing a lot of frustration that it happened. Roger is, you see his mind trying to, racing, trying to, to think of a solution. But you have Hiltz, who one could probably say that he is not necessarily the most intelligent of the three of them. He, he's definitely the, the most street smart. But is, is he intelligent? Would you say that he's smarter than the others? I would probably say not. But he's, he reacts, and, and you know he's the one who thinks of, of this idea that we're about to come up with. So I like the fact that they show, that, that, uh, they, they show who Hiltz is just by his actions. Yeah, agreed, especially because then when they cut back to Roger and Mac, and, and Mac starts to speak, and, and immediately, and Roger's like, you know, damn it, I'm trying to think. He, he's just, he doesn't have time or interest in listening to what Mac has to say at that moment, who might actually have an idea, but, you know, Roger's just like, I've got to think now, but Hiltz is not thinking. He's, he's already reacting. doing You're right. And so it's like, Roger's right. He's just like, we don't even have... He's Roger is trying to think, but Hiltz is basically saying we don't even have time to think. We have right. to do. Right. Uh, what what I love is, is after you see that Hiltz basically runs out of there or jumps out of it, pops out of there or whatever you want to call it. Did you notice what Max's doing? He's he's got a twig in his hand and he's twirling it around his fingers. Yeah, which I see is that. you know something that you know a lot of people have something that the, if they're they're holding it they can they can think. You know, they think better. You know, like, it reminds me from in A Few Good Men. You know, Tom Cruise, Kathy says that, that he thinks better when he's holding his baseball bat. You know, that type of thing. You have to have some something that you're you're occupying your hands with at the time while you're thinking mm. about what, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. So it... Yeah, help you, help you keep your focus. Exactly. So it's just funny that, 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 that he's able to pick up this twig. You know, it makes it. it when I noticed, I, I never noticed it until this time, obviously, because most most things you don't notice in movies, <laughs> unless you're looking at it like this. You know, he he at the beginning of this minute, he doesn't have that twig in his hand. You know, he reaches down and then picks it up and starts playing with it. So I, I wonder if this was something that was scripted, or this was something that 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 McDonald chose to do himself in order to you know make his character look more. You know, Gordon Jackson. I, I, I've seen him in other movies, and he's, he's always great in them. The question is whether he's going to ad-lib something like this or if this is something that someone suggested. Why don't you pick something up, you know, to, to show that you're thinking? You know, give a more visual cue to the way you're thinking. What yeah, you I'm, watching the, I'm, I'm watching the exact moment here uh, where he looks down first, and then, and then he does pick it up. And so it's hard to tell if 
he looks down because he was told to look down, or if he looks down, sees the twig, and yeah, ad libs picking it up. Right. So at this point, Hiltz pops his head out again. This time, not as surprised as last time. But you also notice that he pops his head out a lot shorter than he did before. Mm-hmm. The the first time, his his head went a lot further up than than he's doing here, which which basically shows that he's a little you know now now he's actually scared he might get caught by by, by popping his head out you know because beforehand he knew that he was he was supposed to be in the trees so there's no reason why you why you couldn't pop your head out you know right and plus in the plus when he first popped his head out he had already put the shovel up and he didn't hear any reaction to the shovel so he's all right well no one saw the shovel so probably no one will see my head right exactly. Now, in, in the original, they, they actually have a conversation before where, where Cavendish, it, it was cut out of the movie, where Cavendish discusses the fact that they're well well into the trees at some point. <laughs> so once again, <laughs> he's, he's incorrect in, in, his, <laughs> in his estimation of how, I mean, uh, at, at the beginning of this podcast, the second week, our guest actually, you know, mentions the fact of, uh, you know, that, that, that Cavendish is the is the spoke in the wheel that, you know, caused every one of the problems in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We talked about uh, baseball earlier this week. You win and lose as a team, right? <laughs> you don't lose, uh, you don't get shot if you're, you know, if you're doing that. Right, so in, in the original script, it doesn't mention anything about Mac picking something up, right? They, they just have their conversation. Despite all of the, the different notes of what characters do along the way, they, it doesn't mention anything about you know, picking something up. So that was either something, I guess, on the spur of the moment. Someone suggested to, to, to Gordon McDonald to do that, or he actually, or Gordon Jackson to do that, sorry. Or he you know, decided to do it on his own. So we have Hilt looking out. Then we get another shot of, of Mac and Roger, both of them thinking. And again, you see Mac playing with this twig and looking at it very intensely, the way that he's doing it. He starts talking and he goes, Roger. And then Roger snaps at him and goes, damn it, Mac. I'm trying to think. You know, it actually sounds like something that, that you'd hear Captain Kirk say. You know, William Shatner saying that. <laughs> Damn it, Bones. I'm trying to think. You know, the way that he uh, snaps at him. And then and then Max says, well, yeah, well, we can't always postpone it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a horrible idea. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. I mean, the doc. You said the documents for that day. You know, it would just increase the risk of being found out. I mean, at this point, you can't stop. You're all in. Exactly. Just, and and th- how thanks you, for that, how Roger. You cover yeah. the whole. Yeah. You know that that that's that's the first question that I would have. Okay, let's say that we're going to go with your idea and we're going to postpone. We'll we'll do it next month. You know. So how do you make sure that nobody walks around in that area and can conceivably right. get their foot stuck in a hole? <laughs> <laughs> You know, even 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 if you know they send one of the dogs out to to, to, to go do their business, you know, <laughs> that's the last thing we need—a dog falling into the into the tunnel or or leaving little presents at the uh, at, at the at the head of the tunnel. You never know. But yeah, Roger knows that that's not going to happen. He, he basically says it's it's now or never. This is what we're doing. And then Hiltz comes down again, as we said before. Hiltz is the one who thinks up the idea. You know, he's the one who who jumps into action. I, I think that has a lot to do with the fact of his street smarts, you know, and also his confidence in his own abilities for everything, which is something we've seen throughout the movie. You know, Hilt is is always in good spirits. He's always ready to try something new. He's always ready to do something. You know, we never have any situations where Hilt looks baffled as to what to do. As intelligent as Roger is, 
there have been a few moments where Roger is stumped with trying to think of, you know, he's stumped for a few seconds while his, his mind needs to race. With Hiltz, you never had that. Yeah, possibly Roger's a bit of an, over, an overthinker, maybe. Uh, well, he's, he's a good thinker. There's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to deny that at all. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way that, you know, Hiltz, Hiltz does, does everything on the fly. You know, even every single time he gets out of the cooler, he already knows he's going to be, you know, making his next plan of how he's going to get out. Yes, and does it with confidence of it, too. He, he's, exactly. He's confident in his ability to do things on the fly. Correct. And even when he gets caught, he's still confident that he's going to get out of the cooler in a week, 10 days, three weeks, whatever it is. Right. And then try again. Right. You know, he's, he's never broken. I mean, even, you know, spoiler alert, in, in the very last scene of the movie, he still has his confidence. Yep. You know, and and I think that, uh, without without getting too much into that, because I'm sure in a in a few months from now we will get into that. But but that is in essence part of the message of this movie is you know the the hope of keeping your spirits alive through whatever situation that you're in. That that's something that you're gonna you know that that's how you you break your enemy by showing them that they can't break you. Well, all I can think about now is that Star Trek Next Generation episode. There are four lights. <laughs> So that's a very good connection. So yeah, another Star Trek connection to to the Grand <laughs> Right. So at this point, Hiltz explains his plan. He says when the, the guard goes guard goes to the far end, and once again he does it visually. Yes. So you know the the question once again arises: Is this for Roger and Max's sake, or is this for the audience's <laughs> sake? For us to to get an idea as to you know how far apart. <laughs> the the area is that the guard needs to patrol. He says, "Well, when when you when the guard moves away, you might be able to get out." At this point, again, he's he he shows his selflessness because he's volunteering to do the dirty work here. You know, he's saying, "All right, I can make it to the woods, and we'll set up a signal, mm-hmm. and I'll let let everyone know how they can you know get through." Yeah, he's not saying, "I'll make it to the woods, and then." Uh... See you later. You're on your own. Yeah, you'll know that it's okay because I won't be shot, so then you guys can follow me. He's he's staying there to help everyone else, yeah. Right. You know, Roger says, well, what about the goon towers? So Hiltz's response is, well, they're, they're going to be watching the compound, not the woods, which makes a lot of sense because when you're guarding people from getting out, you're not going to be thinking about looking outside unless you hear something. Right. You know, as long as they're quiet and no one brings any large packages or, or suitcases, they should be fine, you know. <laughs> and there is uh, a, a great, little uh facial acting here by steve mcqueen here after he tells his plan he gives this quick one two second smile of like giving that confidence of like this plan can work it's gonna work i feel confident but then after that couple of seconds he grimaces for a second also like i think you know it's a really nice two three seconds there of uh how he smiles and it turns into a little bit of a grimace also really good exactly but but it is great because he's, you know, he's the one who thought of this plan. He's the one who, who's going to make sure that it works. And he's the one who's going to help other prisoners get out also. Yep. You know, he's, you know as, as much of a loner as he's been throughout this entire movie, he's not doing this for himself. You know, he's doing this to, to help out everyone else. Yep. At this point, Roger then says, uh, Mac, pass the word, send down 30 feet of rope. Which, which makes me wonder, and I'm sure I'll discuss this more next week when we actually get the rope, but... But why choose 30 feet? You know, they're, they are 20 feet away from the woods, and you need enough slack on the rope to tie it around the tree and tie it around the ladder. And then, but, but the shaft is supposed to be 30 feet deep, so that 30 feet of rope isn't going to help them very much. 
Yeah, you're going to need 30, 20 plus. You're going to be about twice twice that much. I think we're going to need uh, more FBI guys. <laughs> I think uh, we're going to need a bigger rope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. So at this point, you know, he tells Mac to pass down the word. Mac screams down the shaft. Now, again, nobody can hear up on top, even though there's now an open hole uh, <laughs> in the ground. And he screams down, send down 30 feet of rope. And and then you get Henley hearing it. And, you know, we, I'm assuming most people that are listening to this have played telephone at some point in their lives. <laughs> but, when, but when you're screaming down a tunnel shaft, you know, again, we don't know how many feet, whether it's 50 feet or 100 feet or 150 feet, and they actually can hear what you're saying, but the guards on top can't, that's, the acoustics must be great here. Yeah, good thing he didn't hear it as, the dirty feet need soap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I wonder if there's a parody of this somewhere where they, where they do that. <laughs> that, would, that would be great. So Henley starts screaming down, send down 30. Again, he's also screaming down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'd think that they're trying to make as little amount of noise as possible while they're digging these tunnels. So that, that's all I have for this minute. Do you have anything else for, for this minute? Uh, that's all I had also. All right. Well, why don't you uh, once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So uh, Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute, both are complete, so you can easily binge them both. And we have presences on uh, Twitter and Facebook, so you can just look up either one of them uh, there. Okay, great. And for people who want to get in touch with us, so all you have to do is you can contact us by going to Facebook, to our Facebook group, The Cooler. Our Twitter account is Great Escape MXM. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com, and our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. So, uh, Eric, I want to thank you for, for joining us this week. I, I've had a lot of fun this week. Hopefully you have, too. I did. Thank you very much for having me. But more importantly, hopefully our listeners also enjoyed listening to us uh, discuss this. Uh, yes, it was a pleasure having you here. I will be back on Monday with a new guest. Hopefully everyone will have a great weekend. And until Monday, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.